Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. It's playoff time, baby. Big stakes and bigger promotions. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $5 into 200 That's 40 to 1 odds on any basketball game. All you have to do is pick any team that's still in the hunt for the big gold trophy, and if that team wins, you receive $200 in free credits. That's right. Pick any team that's still in it. Bet $5, and if that team cashes, you get $200 in free credits. All it takes to claim these 40-to-1 odds on the basketball team of your choosing is placing a simple $5 bet on that team, and that team comes home and wins. Don't forget, DraftKings also offers great odds and promotions on baseball and hockey and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Downloaded the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $5 into $200 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choosing to win their next game, and if they do, you can claim $200 in free credits. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out and site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. You're listening to Game Over, where we say goodbye to each and every NHL hockey team, whether they want to or not. And now here is your host, me, Richard Blosser. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Game Over, where we say goodbye to each and every team in the National Hockey League, or at least make a general attempt to. On this third edition here, I've been promising this for weeks, that we are going to take a West Coast swing, and it's finally going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. And this time, we go all the way out to SoCal, baby. We go to a team that was founded in 1993. They're still playing where they started started at back in 93, but under the a different name. The the arena not, that is not not the team. Well, they kind of have and, and have anyway, anyway, I digress. They have been to two Stanley Cup finals in their existence and won one of them back in 2007. This is a team that I liked back in the early 2000s. You know, before the whole lockout and everything happened, they are the first team out of the Pacific Division we are talking to, ladies and gentlemen, the Anaheim Ducks. And joining me are Nate and Carter of the Quack Report. Thank you, lads, for coming on and talking some hockey nonsense with me. Gentlemen, yeah, welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. 
Not a problem. So let us get into it. And I will ask you the same question I've asked everyone who's come on so far. Um, as the kids kids like to say, what happened? I'll let you go first on that one. I mean, that's a loaded sure. question in itself. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I mean, what didn't happen for the Anaheim Ducks? Like, we we were so close to you know having the best odds at that first overall pick. If only uh, if only Buffalo would have won a few extra games, I think we would have had a pretty good shot. Um, yeah, I, I think really the big thing though to to answer your question, I guess in a a shorter response than maybe we would give on our podcast. Uh, it's just not enough offense, not enough goal scoring, you know, so, and so many of our games too were like three, two losses, two, one, four, three, like they were, they were tight games. And um, yeah, I just don't think we were good enough to put the puck in the back of the net, which sounds simple, but I mean, that's how you win hockey games, right? Yeah. I think the other thing I'll add to that is now when I, when I say this, I'm not talking about the defense specifically or the goaltending, but team defense as a whole was very much lacking. Uh, I think we both found over this season um, just, you know, the effort getting back, there was always somebody trailing or somebody missing a guy, which in most cases led to a goal being scored against. And honestly, I think that was the majority of even goals scored against us were, you know, guys just losing track of who they were covering and that sort of thing, which, you know, can happen with, uh, with a young team for sure, right? Like in learning the NHL game, it's a completely different thing from, you know, junior or development team or even the AHL. But, uh, you know, especially it, it became really frustrating, I think, when we saw it from some of our veterans, guys like uh, Adam Henrique or Ryan Getzlaff, uh, even some guys on the back end in like Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, that's when it became a little, uh, little concerning, I guess, for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean that's yeah. I think the the team defense as a whole uh, lacked this season, and unfortunately, our goalies took the brunt of that. And uh, John Gibson and uh, Ryan Miller, Anthony Stolarz, you know, was able to handle it for the little bit that he uh, that he played. But um, yeah, it was it was rough on those guys just because the team in front of them weren't you know clearing pucks or anything like that or covering guys. So. As a hockey tuber has said, uh, John Gibson and Ryan Miller were both left to die in the net several times throughout the season. Um, That's a way to put it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, and just to kind of um, uh, add to this a little bit, the names that you mentioned, the veteran presence, Adam Henrique, Kevin Shattenkirk, these aren't just like names you add in you know, just for the sake of trying to put a few names in to try and help out the young kids. Well, they are. These guys could actually help fill the proverbial holes that you guys needed to help guys like Sam Steele and Raquel move along. And it seems like everything just came up zero that just just never really went anywhere. Yeah, I think it's hard to, you know, have, say, like a guy like Adam Henrique be the one to lead the charge a little bit when then mid-February, he's getting sent down. He's getting put on waivers and going down to San Diego. Um, so, Jesus. I mean, that's a... Yeah, that's, that's that's a bit of a rough thing. So, But luckily, when he came back, you know, he went back to his old ways in a good in a good way, right? He was putting up points, and he ended up in the top three, I think, in points, if I remember off the top of my head. Carter, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but... Yeah, he was somewhere up there. Don't exactly remember, but... It, I mean, like, the second half of his season was 
the Adam Henrique we expected back in January, but a slow start really, um, really hurt him, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and talking about Kevin Shattenkirk, you know, this is a guy who just the season prior did win a cup with uh, Tampa Bay, right? So it's just some of that, that championship pedigree, just to add a little bit more of that to this team because, like, just off the top of my head, Ryan Getzlaff, Kevin Shattenkirk, those are the guys that I can think of that have won a Stanley Cup. Um, I mean, there's definitely some championship pedigree in a different sense with a guy like Ryan Miller, um, you know, going to the gold medal in 2010, uh, ultimately losing to uh, Team Canada in overtime there. But, uh, you know, that's another guy who, even though he was at the end of his career, he was still a guy who knew those winning ways. And, uh, you know, he could al- you could always see him battling every single game. And definitely this season, uh, light a candle or pour one out or press F to pay respects to Ryan Miller, <laughs> as the kids like to say. So, so let's turn pivot, as friend Ross and friends once said, and we will go to uh, Cthulhu comes a calling, as I like to say. So, who do you see the Anaheim Ducks leaving out on the street corner for when the Seattle Kraken? Uh, come by in the expansion draft that's a that's a very good question and we really haven't thought a lot about it i'm sure you know we'll we'll have an episode down the line that really goes through it but um at, at least mid-season i think adam henrique could be could have been one of those guys um whether he's worked hard enough now to um to maybe take that off of what am i trying to say take that label off of him i guess um I, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's up to GM Bob Murray. But um, if you were to ask that question midseason, I would say Adam Henrique would be one of those guys because, I mean, he's got a high cap hit. He's not performing up to that cap hit. That's that's cracking bait right there. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I could see it still being Adam Henrique and or uh, maybe even a guy like Jake uh, Jakob Silverberg um, just because of the youth that we have in this club. And, you know, most of them will be able to be they don't have to be protected per se, just with how the rules of the expansion draft are with, you know, you have to play so many games or years or that sort of thing. Can't be on an ELC. Not, uh, we we kind of get lucky there, I think, in a way. But uh, I think those are two guys that could be, um, you know, pickups for sure. A thought was of Ricard Raquel, but considering what Anaheim was asking for coming up to the trade deadline, I don't think they're willing to just part with him uh, and just give him away, especially after asking for, you know, like a top, uh, like a top line guy or like a top prospect and a first round pick. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I've also heard of um, a couple like defensemen uh, potentially going to Seattle in uh, Manson and Mahura. Um, I, I know Nate talked off the top about our defense not being there this season. And, and that's true. But I think in terms of, you know, actual individual players, we have a ton of defensemen who could play in the NHL. So that's, that's kind of our one surplus, even if collectively they're not um, maybe up to snuff. So I think Manson and Mahura could potentially be one of the guys as well. All those great names, um, Henrik, you could throw out there as, as a, um, you, like you said, crack and bait as like, eh, eh, here's an Adam Henrik. Eh, mm-hmm, eh, eh. Or maybe like you said, just leave out a, a defenseman, um, a, a depth defenseman, just as somebody to uh, to get rid of. So, great names. I'm sure you guys will talk about this down the line. 
And like I say with other uh, podcasts on here, if you want a more in-depth breakdown as to where things went right and wrong, of course, check out the Quack Report for more of Anaheim Duck goodness. But we'll get to that a little bit later later on. So, uh, checking out the game over um, order that I have, uh, you guys came in sixth. Um, I presume that might be where you guys fall in the draft order as well, either fifth or sixth. Does I'm pretty sure Anaheim does have first-round picks. Yes, we do. And I believe we're, the lowest we're actually able to fall is fourth place. Okay. So, so we're, we're guaranteed for a top four, so that's... I mean, if there's one good thing to come out of this year. So where do you see the uh, the the Ducks looking for? Um, another young forward to add to that core or another young defenseman to try and add some depth as well? Or maybe the possibility you guys might trade out of the top five? I'd be very surprised if we did the trade. I was thinking last year... Last year, I was thinking about that forward presence and even a little bit more center depth. But this year, that kind of developed, actually. So maybe you're looking towards your wings a little bit more, I would say. Like Carter said, though, we have a we have a surplus of defensemen. So I'm not sure if we want to continue to stock up on that. Um, I mean, maybe one more goaltending prospect might be nice. We have a great one right now in uh, Lucas Dostal, who just came over to North America this year. Uh, put up some pretty good numbers, I would say, in uh, San Diego. And uh, so, you know, and John Gibson is still young. The guy's 27, right? This is the time that, you know, most goalies are just breaking into the NHL. This guy's already been playing for, what, six years, something like that? Yeah, so, five or six years, yep. Bless him. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say it'd be the, the wings we might be looking to. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I don't really have anything to add. To that, so. <laughs> All right, understood. So, uh, we're actually doing pretty good on time. So, surprise, bonus question, bonus round, bonus question. So, see to your pants broadcasting at its finest. <laughs> Does, is Dallas Eakin your coach next year? Now, this will fill some time, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I, I will say yes. Now, to add a question to that, is that what I want? No. And I think that's not what a majority of Ducks fans want either. Um, and to extend that even further, that goes to general manager Bob Murray. Um, you know, I, I think for like for myself, Dallas Eakins is a great AHL coach. He's a great development coach. But it's you can kind of see it in Edmonton. Even the time he was there, they didn't have you know amazing players, but they did still have some great pieces that you should have been able to get a bit more out of as a whole, as a team. Um, and you know we're kind of I think seeing the same thing in Anaheim. It's just you know maybe it would be different if there was a more solid team, that sort of thing. But this isn't you know it's the NHL. You're not trying to really develop a whole lot more like unless you're kind of working out kinks or that sort of thing in someone's game right like this if you're if you're in the nhl you're here to play and you need a coach uh that you know will force you to play yeah we've talked on other episodes about how it seems to be able to coach in the nhl you have to have like that x factor you just have to have something special like and you're either born with it or you're not and like nate said 
Dallas Eakins is a great hockey coach. He's he was phenomenal down in the mm-hmm. AHL. Um, but I just, I whatever it is, I just don't think he has that piece to take a an NHL team and turn them into a contender. So, uh, but I think Spotty did this year with um, with guys like Drysdale and Zegris. Maybe Nate disagrees with me, but I, I really like the way he handled um, Drysdale and Zegris down the stretch and like at the the end of the season. So I really have no issue with Dallas Eakins. Um, it's more Bob Murray that I have the issue with, but I don't think you fire Murray and keep the coach. So Understood. I would, uh, yeah, I would say I agree with your statement, Carter, on like the second half, like kind of like in the stretch. That that was good. Okay. That was great execution, I think. And you know, I think with Jamie Drysdale, the execution was great from the start my issue was the execution of trevor zegris whether it was bob murray or dallas eakins or a combination of both dictating it but the execution of trevor trevor zegris when he first started at the you know well we were a month into the season before he finally got called up and you know that's what i didn't like if you're trying to get him to play center like i understand you know get him on the wing for a few games give him the taste send him down to the ahl develop that center aspect to him bring him up but I think it was just too drawn out and too, okay, we'll give you a couple games. Oh, now you're going to sit. Oh, we'll give you a couple games. No, now you're going to sit. And, yeah, so that kind of frustrated me. And, um, you know, kind of the, the the running line that I've had the last uh, – it was like during the last few episodes of the season when Zegers was playing center for the Anaheim Ducks after his uh, – I guess you would call it kind of like a conditioning stint in a way – um, was, wow, it's amazing what a player can do when they're put in the position that they – naturally play right it, you can see that potential finally and um you know and giving him some some better line mates as well that you know can kind of match uh some of his talent and guys like troy terry who really stepped it up in the second half and uh max comtois who led the team in uh in goal scoring this year so all right you, you guys weren't kidding that was a good discussion topic <laughs> no great no great great stuff good stuff all around so so let us turn to October, and why should Ducks fans be optimistic heading into next season? I think it is those young guys that, and that we've already touched on, right? It's the Trevor Zegerses, it's the uh, uh, Drysdales, it's the Comtois, it's the Troy Terrys, it's you know even guys like Sam Steele, right? There's so much youth to this team that you know is starting to really show itself uh both you know just the youth itself right the team's getting younger and it's kind of you know we're seeing kind of the old guard go away and uh but it's also in their production right they're becoming more key contributors to this team it's not you know relying on the likes of Henrik Silverberg and Getzlaff or even Corey Perry to that uh, to that fact which we kind of got out of a couple of years ago with that buyout that uh, you know may not be looking great right now, but we don't have that money at least on the cap roll. So, yeah, uh, really nothing else to add there. Uh, the only other name I would add to your list is Sam Carrick because I think he's one of those depth guys yes. that often often gets forgot about. Um, but then also John Gibson. Not that he's a young guy. This is a separate point here. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, watching John Gibson has always been exciting, uh, at least for me. So I, I think that he is not happy with the way this season turned out. And I, I, I hope that it's not worse next season. Um, but I think that 
everyone will come in with a different mindset, hopefully give John Gibson more support, and we'll actually get to see um, more what John Gibson can do, and hopefully he'll steal us some games and get us in a good position to uh, make the playoffs. I'd like to hope. I don't know. That, that might be a stretch, but, um, but yeah. It'll sound totally, you know, Homer and that sort of thing, but John Gibson, I believe, is really the most underrated goaltender in the NHL. You can see some of the numbers that he puts up, you know, when the team around him is playing better, I'll say. Not not good, just better. Um, but even if you're watching the actual games, you can see that it's not him for the reason for, like, the – I think he had a 905 save percentage at the end of this season, right, with only nine wins, I believe it was. It's, it's not on him right like you can have one of the best goaltenders in the world like take a look over at montreal uh during their rough patch right you can have Carey price one of the greatest goaltenders in the world uh playing today doesn't matter if you don't have anything going in front of them yeah and speaking as strictly as as an east coast uh outsider like i believe you guys are the best of the california three out of all three of those teams in terms of like nice. progression <laughs> in terms of like progression i mean the the sharks are are filleted and that's another show the kings are very young as well that's another show but i think you guys you you your team acknowledged the rebuild you are making progress toward a rebuild and you have a really really good prospect in trevor zegras hopefully becomes the new lord and savior of socal so now Let's turn away from the optimism. Why should the why should Ducks fans be depressed heading into next year? Uh, at least at the moment, Dallas Eakins and Bob Murray are still <laughs> in positions to run this team. That's honest. That's honestly your concerning point right now, because you know I was even saying on the show I forget what I said I would do, but I set a date that I'm pretty sure we're past, and I had said like you know if these two aren't fired by this time i'll do something i don't remember what it was but um you know like it was just it seemed like it that was the move that had to be done even though they only they both only have a year left on their contracts right like especially with the zegris stuff and it coming out that you know they were pulling zegris away from games and that sort of thing basically just to hold an extra year before he becomes a unrestricted free agent, right? Instead of in seven years, it'll be in eight years. My thought process was if you're that concerned about eight years down the road to hold a top player, then you have big concerns right now. Yeah, for sure. That was a, that was a big talking point. That was quite a while ago. I think we talked about that. You'd have to really dive into the archives of the quack report, I think, <laughs> to find it. But yeah, it was pretty concerning. Um, I, I think another thing to to be kind of pessimistic about is that this is still a, a young team going into next year. Uh, you know, unless we make a huge splash in the off season, which I really doubt is going to happen. Um, but, the, you know, it's not going to be perfect. I still think we're going to have those tough losing skids. We're going to have tough games. There's going to be lots of mistakes that will cost us games. So hopefully there will be more fans in the building now. Like we kind of saw it at the end of the season now. But hopefully those buildings are packed by the time next season starts. Um, and, yeah, I just I think that it's not going to be maybe the best time to invest in season tickets, maybe put your name on the wait list for two or three years down the road. Cause there's going to be some rough games. I think just because this team is still so young. 
Agreed. I mean, I mean, uh, you guys are fairly young, but the good news is, at least I and like I said, I think you guys have a good couple years of letting these guys develop sort of the hard way in the NHL to to kind of get that head start in in a way. And again, I'm I'm speaking as a dirty, filthy Northeast. Uh, I mean, East Coast hockey fan. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so to Anaheim. Sadly, you guys were rendered in your own duck fat this year. Ha ha. So hard. I, I know. I will go to my room. I'm sorry. So no, now, you, now you just got me wanting. Uh, there's a there's a poutine place where we live, and they they'll do the fries in the duck fat. Oh, and now so I just good. now I'm just craving that, and I just ate. Now I'm craving that too. So to the so to the Anaheim Ducks for the 2021 season, we say game over. I never get tired of hearing that soundbite. So <laughs> so that will do it. As we said goodbye officially now to the Anaheim Ducks. So, Nate, Carter, thank you guys for coming on. And before we do uh, cast you off into the NHL unknown, I will give you guys a minute or two to uh, pimp your project or promote what, whatever else you guys are working on. So, so both of you, the board is thine. Well, you can follow our show on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Quack Report Pod. Uh, we live stream every Sunday. That might change with the off season, but um, if you're looking, if you're scrolling through Twitter on a, a Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific time, is when you can catch our live stream on Sundays, um, which will be on YouTube uh, and Facebook at Hockey Pod Net, and then at Quack Report Pod on Twitter. And you can also follow on Twitch on now. Twitter. Sorry, sorry. Oh yes, and Twitch. Also on Twi- or Twitch, yeah. Thanks. Um, and then you can follow myself at Carter underscore Potts, P-O-T-T-S underscore 97. Nate, I'll toss it over to you now. And, uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Tate Namas, T-A-T-E-N-H-O-M-A-S. All righty. Good stuff to get the SoCal boys in. Nate, Carter, again, boys, thank you very much. Stay strong. Stay safe out there in SoCal. And uh, you're right. Let's get that Honda Center filled fill it up once the world is slowly starting to get right better days are ahead my friends and as the canadian red green once said keep your stick on the ice take care boys thanks man thanks Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Hello, hello, hockey fans. My name is Nick Berlansky, host of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My co-host, Nick Horwat and I talk all things Pittsburgh Penguins, from top news to game analysis and other unconventional hockey talk. We've got you covered. New episodes every Monday. Tune in at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcast from. And let's go Pens.
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa. With over 50 years of sports betting experience, Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. And we are back here on Game Over. Did I really just run a Pittsburgh Penguins promo before I bring my next guest on? Well, yeah, that's kind of the order of the rotation thing. But anyway, anyway, let's not get into the details of that. Our next guest on is a team that it's a little farther down, but just because of scheduling, I could bring him on. And this is a team I'm going to have fun talking about because a lot of people thought they would be better when the season started. This team was founded in 1967. They have two Stanley Cups to their name in 1974 and 1975, and they are more than happy to tell you that. They have eight Stanley Cup finals appearances. Wait, checks, notes. Yes. Yes, that is correct. Eight. They have such names in the rafters as Bernie Puron, Mark Howe, Bill Barber, Gore, Gore, wrong Howe, uh, Bobby Clark, and Eric Lindros, to name a few. I am talking about none other than the cross-state rivals to my beloved team, the Philadelphia Flyers. And joining me from the Three Pigeons podcast, who covers all things Flyers, joined by Mark. Mark, welcome aboard, man. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, no, th- thanks for having me. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. We're, uh, me, uh, Matt, and Mike are, are happy to, uh, to to assist you here. All right, so let's just jump jump right into it. Jump right into it here. Um, I will ask you the same thing that's happened with every other team we've brought on. What happened, as the kids like to say, a team that had very high aspirations heading into the season just uh, went nowhere? Yeah, um, pretty much everybody and their mother picked the Flyers to uh, to be a you know probably an Eastern Conference Final you know likely team, and it just didn't feel right from the start. Um, I, I think I could speak for that. And like when I said that even, even early on, early on, they the team was winning. they were finding ways to win, and good teams do that. They find ways to win. Whether it's a pretty win or an ugly win, it doesn't matter. As long as you get the W, you keep going. Um, but just early on, tell the team was struggling mightily in their own zone. Um, the goalies, ironically, at the beginning of the year, were really bailing out the team. Um, Brian Elliott and Carter Hart were actually pretty solid to start the year. Um, but eventually, just the amount of defensive breakdowns, having to rely too much on a young goaltender, Brian Elliott um, is a very good backup when you use him in a limited role, but him having to be called on more than he, he normally does 
um, tends to lend to poorer play. Um, but overall, the, the the two main things are defensively how bad the team was, and also uh, Chuck Fletcher took a gamble and he bet you know a, a lot of his uh, a lot of his money on the the young kids really taking steps forward this year and and kind of continuing to grow. Uh, and a lot of them didn't either they stagnated or some of them actually kind of regressed to be honest so a little concerning um but definitely not the year the flyers wanted or the year a lot of people thought they were gonna have um but you know at the end of the day they deserve to be right where they're at uh they they did not play i would say other than um march i mean they were from march to, to april they were catastrophic so it's tough, but you know we we still got a, a strong off season head. Probably um, we joke on our podcast, but the busiest off season since um, the big move, sending you know Mike Richards and Jeff Carter, sending them out of town and bringing in you know Ilya Brzgalov, Wayne Simmons, Braden Shen. Uh, it's going to be a, a huge off season. So we'll see what Chuck Fletcher's got in store. He's got plenty of ammo. Uh, this team, for all its faults, is very deep. Um, in the prospect pool, we can touch on a little bit on that. And, you know, they got a lot of picks too. So we'll see, we'll see what's going on. Yeah. Unlike a lot of teams that I've, I've talked about so far, your season went very wrong, very quickly. And, um, much like with, with the devils, um, the flyers had, if I'm correct, you had uh, a bit of a bouts with, uh, with Corona Chan as well. Um, that do- that doesn't help establishing a, a chemistry throughout the season when you're when you play like three or four games and then you have to stop for ten days because a, a positive was popped somewhere as well. But um, but um, you're right. The prospect pool is really good, and we will eventually get to that get to that with them. Um, you know. You said about a young goaltender, um, and I'm sure this has probably come up in a lot of Philly sports circles. As a bit of a bonus question, is it fair to put this on Carter Hart or more the defense that was in front of him or the team in front of him? Well, I, I think, um, like I said, at the beginning of the year, uh, the goalies weren't fantastic, but they, they were doing everything possible to keep the team alive. Um I put most of this year on the defense and just team defense as a whole. What we saw were a lot of forwards just kind of flying the zone when, for whatever reason, the D-men just couldn't move the puck out of their own zone. Uh, There's been a lot on the loss of Matt Niskanen and obviously kind of a shock with him retiring. Um, If you had told me, though, at the beginning of the season, because you lost Matt Niskanen, you know, everybody's going to forget how to play defense. I would have laughed at you, but that's <laughs> kind of what happened. Um, Ivan Provorov, um, he, he has had some real seasons. He's had some kind of strange seasons where things haven't gone his way. He struggled this year. Um, you know, Justin Braun, a, a grizzled veteran, has been on a lot of on those uh, really good San Jose Sharks teams for, for yep. years. Yep. Um, he struggled really early, um, but he actually finished as one of the Flyers' better defensemen at the end of the year, ironically. Um, Phil Myers, who that's one of the young guys that Chuck Fletcher, you know, bet a lot of money on that he was going to take steps forward. Um, he had a really strong uh, end of the season last year, not so much postseason. Uh, he's got every 
he's just he's a freak athletically. He's got every kind of trait you'd want, but he he regressed mightily. Um, so I, I put a lot of this season more on the team in a whole, not just the goaltenders. Mm-hmm. Um, if the goalies had been bad from the start, that would have been one thing. But early, the first twenty games or so, um, the goalies were were okay. Uh, they were stopping you know a lot of the shots that they should and and bailing the team out and eventually. I don't, I don't care who your goal is. If you continue to ask them to stay on their head every single night, eventually they're just going to run out of steam. And yeah. that's what happened. And then they got hit by COVID, like you mentioned. Um, they actually started to rally right before um, they got hit by COVID. They had beaten Washington something like 7 to, yeah. to 4. It was a very high-scoring yeah. game. I remember that, and yeah. Right after that. Yeah. And they were that, – that game, the goaltending was – on both sides was not great. But um, – the team was really clicking. You could see shades of, of the year before in terms of the passing and just the, the chemistry was really great. And then they got rocked by COVID and they're out, you know, two weeks. Yeah. And after that, they were really never the same. Right. So let's move on to what I like to call Cthulhu comes a calling. So okay. who do you think is going to be left out on the, uh, on the corner or the front porch when Seattle comes on by? Who do you think gets, gets uh, left exposed and protected? That's that's a good question. That's something we've been kind of tossing around on, on our podcast. Obviously, um, the Flyers' biggest offseason need is a nothing defenseman. Um, now, the team is pretty cash-strapped. They've got a lot of money invested in a lot of different guys. Um, not to mention, you've got Sean Couturier and Claude Giroux coming up on expiring contracts after next year. Um, so you, you've got to project out in what are those going to look like? Uh, if you ask most fans, I would think they would tell you they'd be happy to see uh, either Jake Voracek claimed or um, James Van Riemsdyk. Um, obviously, both of them have a cap hit north of seven mil, so go a long way in terms of being able to acquire you know a number one defenseman either by trade or by signing somebody like a Dougie Hamilton. Um, but I, I would think. One of one, or if not both, will will be exposed to Seattle. Um, if I was Seattle, I would definitely I would take one of them uh, if if they are there. Um, I understand the cap hits are, are a little on the high side, but um, you know Jake Voracek is still an amazing playmaker. He doesn't doesn't score a ton of goals, but um, he, he normally cracks 40 assists a year, usually sometimes more, 50, 60 assists. Um, so he actually, I mean, there was like a four-way tie for points on the Flyers this year. Um, but Jake is, is a great player. He's just not going to score a ton of goals. He's going to assist on a hell of a lot. And James Van Reems, like he, um, like a lot of goal scorers, most goal scorers, is very streaky. Um, but he's terrific in front of the net. He can really help out with a power play. Um, and with a young team, you know, both of them have been around long enough. I think they'd be very good in the locker room. Jake is a very no-nonsense guy. Um, he, I don't know if you saw his uh, his jab at Mike Sealski at the beginning of the year, but that was something that was uh, was really funny. Um, he just does not play around, so um, he could be a character for them um, in, in the locker room. In Seattle, I think they they definitely like his originality. Uh, but yeah, I would think Jake or, or JVR most likely what who Flyers want to be claimed, who Seattle might take it like kind of a. a a one-off would be someone like a Justin Braun because he has one year left. He's a good defenseman. He can still, you know, he can help out on the PK and it's just a one-year investment. After that, he's off your books and you can keep going. So we'll see. 
Shane Gossesbury, you could put his name out there too, um, even though he was one of the Flyers' better defensemen this year. Again, yeah. a little surprising. In turn, I like the names Voracek and JVR being out there um, for the reasons that you just said, especially Voracek, who's an assist machine. Any guy who can get you 20, 30, or like you said, 40 assists a season, any team will sign that up. JVR, when he's right, he can get you a 20 and 20 um, when he really wants to. So um, I, I could see... I could definitely see Seattle taking one of those as a cornerstone guy to build around, um, but I know the uh, the Philly media would not like either of those guys going for obvious reasons because of how long they've been around, been around for nearly the better part of a decade. So it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be really interesting when the Flyers' names come up on that board in well in a couple weeks. Yeah, not far off now. No, 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 no. In fact, uh, by the time this drops next week, actually, where does the time go? Anyway, so now with that, we're going to turn our attention to the draft. And you said Philadelphia has a lot of picks. And if I ha- and if the game over numbers are what um, the draft goes by, you guys are seventh. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of new rules with this. I've talked about it with other teams. I don't know, like, what's the best or worst you could do. Um, but since Philly does have a decent amount of picks, let's say you guys do wind up in that five, six, or seven. Since this is a weak draft, could you see you guys trading out of the top 10 to get more picks? Or is there anybody the Flyers are really looking at? No, I think, and, and again, I'm speaking for Matt and Mike, but... I think the three of us would really love to see them make some trades, um, not for picks, though, for players. Uh, the, the time for stockpiling picks is, has come and gone. Um, this is this is the time when you take that first round pick. If it's a, you know, if hell, if it could end up being a top five pick or, or something like that, that'd be absolutely insane. I know I saw the NHL actually tweeted out the, uh, the playoff odds. I think the Flyers have a like a 1.8% chance, something like that of getting the number one pick, uh, which, I mean, that was kind of what happened with Nolan Patrick all those years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a shock. No one saw that coming. Um, you know, the odds of it happening, though, extremely, extremely low. I would look for Chuck Fletcher to, to package, you know, that first overall pick, um, whatever it's going to be this year, with either a, a current roster player, um, someone on, on the farm team, uh, like maybe like a Morgan Frost, something like that. Frosty. Um, yeah, he's uh, – he, We'll see. I mean, there, there's some rumblings. Even Nolan Patrick might not be super happy. He might want a fresh start. But uh, if I'm Chuck Fletcher, I'm taking you know that first round pick and and packaging it together for uh, for a deal because whoever the Flyers take at that one you know at that first pick, the chances of them making the team uh, they're not going to be able to help right away. And this team, with all its faults, is still built to go in right now and, and try and win a Stanley Cup. It's not built for three, four years from now. It's built for this is the window. So right. I'm hoping they're going to trade it. Um, so we'll see. And like you mentioned, draft isn't uh, nearly as strong as it was um, the year before. I know when we were talking in the proverbial green room before we came on, you said the Flyers have a good amount of draft picks. And pulling this up on a cap-friendly, ding, um, you guys have, if my math is correct, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven picks in the draft in this year's draft, which is which is pretty freaking good. Um, you traded your your initial fifth, but got Vegas's fifth in return. So um, you know, hey, that that's better than at least 
my two teams who are constantly trading draft picks like they're playing cards. So it's refreshing to see an organization, you know, hold on to your first and second round draft picks. What's such a novel concept? Yeah, well, you got to remember the Flyers weren't always like that. When uh, Homer was running the team, he, he did the same thing. Those, yep. Those, uh, you know, getting Andrew McDonald, going, getting out like, I, uh, oh my God, I think Pavel Kubina, just, just you know, yeah, Vinny LeCalvey, they got in free agency, but just going out and getting people past their prime for a first and second round pick. So we've, I feel like every team's done that. But um, yeah, I mean, seven picks this year, you know, it's it's time to, to package some of them and, and, and move some around and get some, some roster players. Um, I, I don't know if you read The Athletic at all, but uh, Charlie O'Connor is a really terrific writer. Um, he covers the Flyers for The Athletic, and he actually did a, a huge um, fan survey over, I want to say it was like 2,000-some responses he got um, from readers in the Philadelphia area or just people who follow the Flyers, and most of them want some kind of, of heavy-duty change, um, either either losing a JVR or, or a Jake to expansion or making some kind of big trade. And I think that, you know, the picks could definitely p- uh, play a big part in that. Hmm. Very interesting times down there in South Philadelphia. So let us take a look into October as, and so give, give us a reason as to why Flyers fans should be optimistic heading into next October. Well, I would say this, uh, um, I, w- I would ask them what what is more likely is the team actually this bad or, or is is Travis Konechny actually as bad as he played is Kevin Hayes you know the year before he had, had an unbelievable year um, tons of he had shorthanded goals game winning goals you name it he was all over the place you know is he as bad as as la- as this past year Carter Hart you know was terrific the year before and in the playoffs for the most part. He had two shutouts in that Montreal Canadian series. Do you think he's going to be really as bad as he was this year? And I think most fans would say no. Um, this year was, was very disappointing. Um, you know, a lot of it can be blamed on COVID, but I think a lot of it also has to be, you know, the feet of the, of the team and the coaches and, and the GM for sure. Chuck Fletcher's got to take a lot of heat for this too. Um, you know, at the end of the day, he, he made a bet on this team that they were going to be a lot better than they were, and the young players were going to be able to take a step in a, a very difficult year, um, and they just didn't didn't follow through. So I would tell fans, listen, this was an anomaly year. You know, the team's going to come back. There's going to be some changes made in the offseason. This team will not look the same. So this will be a different Flyers team come October um, in, in some way, shape, or form. I just, for the life of me, cannot see – you know, Comcast as, as being the, the owner now, um, you know, big daddy corporate money. There's no way they're going to let this team run it back like they were because uh, you're just not going to get butts in seats. And that's what's needed at the end of the day. So it's going to be fun again. I can promise you that some way, some way, somehow. Yeah, those big couple million renovations aren't going to pay for themselves. And, I, and, and if they're not, that, that big uh, video board was, you know, that's couple hundred mil each right there they it shoots fire now it's unbelievable so So i've heard and the whole big welcome to comcast country out there in the sky boxes wasn't a dead giveaway as well uh we're also well we're we're doing well time-wise so i'm gonna throw a uh as os dub likes to say a bonus brucey question your way i'm gonna throw a bonus question your way this is folks this is seat of your pants broadcasting at its finest 
Does Cam York get an extended look next season? Hundred um, percent. He he got a couple games obviously at the end of the year here. Um, what st- stood out to me and I think to a lot of Flyers fans uh, was how s- just steady and calm he was. Um, he he didn't make any flashy plays. I mean, he didn't jump off your screen, but you know when he did have the puck on his stick, he was very poised, um, very calm. And for for such a young man to to have that command already is really exciting to see. Um, he, he does a couple things really well. He he knows when to pinch. His pinches along the boards are great. And for a young player, that's sometimes you get into trouble. Um, but he, he's been terrific at that. He's really great at keeping the puck in the zone. Um, you know, just playing it on the line there. Doesn't fumble it at all. Just overall very calm. Um, what I think and, and what Matt and Mike, my, my other co-hosts, definitely think, he will, you know, get a long, a, a real long look at camp. Um, wouldn't be surprised if he starts in Lehigh, um, gets, you know, maybe 10 games or so. And then, you know, if he looks good, if he looks as good as he did, you know, at the end of the year here, I think he makes it up to the big club pretty quickly. Um, with, with After about 10 games, 15 games in Lehigh, I could 100% see him um, starting on the, on the back end for the Flyers. I can I can relate to this um, because of um, I'm seeing the same things with uh, Connor McMichael and Hershey slash Washington and from what, the way you described it I could see the exact same thing playing out and I'm saying that between between those two you have the international rivalry going back to uh, World Juniors earlier in the year um, so you know I I saw him um, in Le- in Lehigh against Hershey and the and the boy is talented. So, you know, I think, and I agree, I think the Flyers will definitely be interested to see how he develops, and not just if, but a question of when he will make his South Philadelphian uh, debut. So, let's turn to the other end of the spectrum. Ha-ha, spectrum. And And we will ask, reasons to be depressed heading into October. Okay. Reasons to be depressed as a Flyers fans going into October. Um, one that right off the top of the head, um, it's possible Ivan Provorov is not a number one defenseman. Um, you know, he, he's had some really terrific years. Um, he's also had some some really not great ones. Um, two years ago, he, he really struggled. Um, last year, he he, re, he rebounded. He was doing okay. And then this year... Um, he struggled mightily and you know the hallmark of a good number one defenseman is it you know it shouldn't really matter too much who your partner is you're going to be the one carrying you know the load and what we saw with Provorov is you know when he was paired with Matt Niskanen they were terrific together um but, but it seems like he might not be able to just to be the absolute number one guy maybe he's like the 1B, maybe he's a, you know, just a terrific number two, um, but it's possible he's not the number one defenseman we thought we had, which is, you know, very dis- disappointing and, and depressing. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. So that that's definitely a, a reason to be a little concerned about and a little uh, disheveled about, for sure. And also, um, Chuck Fletcher, little, little chance, he, you know, he might not be the guy for this job. Um in order to, to build a, a true contender, he had some good years in Minnesota, but those teams were never really able to, you know, to, to get over the hump. Um, 
you know, they, they kind of fizzled out in the end. And, hell, they're a lot of fun to watch now with uh, with Bill Guerin over there at GM and, you know, Kirill Kaprizov and, and a lot of fun they're guys. They're Lord and Savior. Yeah, he's, he's a terrific player. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's always a chance that, you know, Chuck might not be the GM for uh, – for, for building a Stanley Cup winner. We'll see. This is a a huge – I mean, uh, I don't know if it's hyperbolic to say if Chuck Fletcher doesn't nail this offseason, if, if the team follows up last – you know, next year with, with a really poor effort, um, I 100% see Chuck Fletcher and Aline Vigneault both uh, being out the door. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all because um, at the end of the day – you know, Comcast does own this team, like we just mentioned. They they need <laughs> they need that revenue, and it's not cheap to go to Flyers games in South Philadelphia. It's quite expensive. Hmm. If you're going to be asking fans to pay that, uh, they're going to want to see a winning product. So we'll see. Those are my two uh, probably most disappointing or uh, or depressing thoughts. You know, <laughs> Proby might not be number one, and Chuck might not be the the GM for this team. Especially with the way the team was in the bubble hockey tournament. It, it really raised expectations for this team. And, you know, some idiot on fan side had really had them at number one in way too soon power rankings and thought they were the next contender. Oh, wait, I wrote that article. Oh. <laughs> yeah, top, yeah. So, you know, the, the, the expectations for this team is really high, but there's good reason to. Carter Hart, the backstop of the of the future. They thought they had a solid defense and a good forward core, and like you said, this season just went horribly the other way. And soon, and soon, people are going to want answers. Some very high-paying people are going to want answers, as you said. And Chuck Fletcher's seat might be getting a little hot, but that's next season. And for this season, we say to the Philadelphia Flyers. Over. Always love playing that soundbite. So that'll do it. Uh, thank you for coming on. And before we get you out the door, I will give you a minute to, um, you know, pimp or promote your podcast or whatever project you and your boys are working on. So the floor is thine. Thank you, Rich. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, if uh, there's any Flyers fans out there, you know, feel free to uh, listen to our podcast. Podcast. Um, we're three uh, podcast, mainly flyers. We'll, every now and again in the off season, we'll, we'll do some around the league stuff. Um, we touch on, you know, especially this year with, with how crazy it was, and you know, places like Columbus and stuff like that. But mainly flyers talk. Um, this is the biggest off season this team has had in probably ten years. Um, so tune in. We'll, we'll have uh, a, a lot of fun roundtable discussions. We'll be doing stuff like this with Rich and, and other podcasts and, and reach, reaching out and, and just collaborating and, and getting different voices and different opinions. Um, but for all your Philadelphia Flyers needs, Three Pigeons Podcast. Come one, come all. We, we'd love to have you. And I can I can validate as well. Uh, these guys, you know, they, they were right there in front of this runaway Flyers train throughout the entire season. Uh, great banter. You guys stay on top of all Flyers games, good, bad, and ugly. So, um, yeah. So check them out wherever you get your podcast. Three Pigeons uh, podcast. Now, now again, uh, a bonus question: How did you come up with the name Three Pigeons? What? How'd that come to be? Yeah. So, so yeah, we uh, we came up with obviously you know it being three of us, uh, uh, me, Matt, and Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pigeons, um, you know, obviously. Uh, getting called a pigeon on the ice 
Um, you're not a very good player. And it ties in because JVR, um, there's a very famous clip. And if you guys listen to our podcast at the, at the beginning of every podcast, um, it was when JVR actually got traded to Toronto. Uh, Claude Giroux skates by him and he calls him an, an effing pigeon. And then he does the pigeon noise, uh, like, like that. So uh, we thought it was funny with, with JVR coming back and everything. Like, all right, how about we go three pigeons? So um, it's a nice little tie in there. It's a very inside flyers joke. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how we came up with the name. Spectacular. I, I love little stuff like that when podcasters um, go off the beaten path and have a reason for calling their podcast a certain thing. And, um, you know, we do have another one on here, uh, Getting Bullied. But obviously, Broad Street Bullies, the heyday of the 75, 76. And, but just, I was like, Pigeons? Pigeons? Philadelphia? I was trying, yeah, but... Doesn't, doesn't click right away. No, but as the NBC ad has said, the more you know. So thank you, you know. so thank you very much, man. You know, enjoy enjoy yourself heading into the off season. Who knows? Maybe the, maybe the Phillies can fill that void in the heart throughout the summer. <laughs> Maybe they're gonna need a little help in the bullpen, and if they're gonna pull that off, thank uh, you, Rich. Thank you for having us. Seriously, yep, we, yep. we really appreciate. It. Thank hey, you, sir. Hey, not a problem, man. And thank you to everyone for listening to Game Over, where we take a look as as many teams and say Game Over. Next time on Game Over, we're gonna head to the rivals of the Flyers, and no, we're not heading west. We're heading due north and due east to the corner of 46th Street there in Manhattan, hopefully, and also a team out west who had a lot of off-season trouble. But my name's Richard Blosser, and as Red Green once said, keep your stick on the ice. We'll catch you next time. That's the end of the game. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa. With over 50 years of sports betting experience, Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.